Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson from Tobacco Road Sports Radio. My co-host from Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan, in the house. You can follow Skylar as he treks back and forth up. Uh, is it 77? You're going up and down daily? Or is it? Or are you taking 85? 85, yeah. <laughs> 85. He makes that trip up 85 uh, each day down to Spartanburg for uh, Carolina Panthers uh, training camp at Wofford College. Follow him on Twitter at Callahan underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at D-E-Z underscore 3505. A loaded show for you this week. Uh, first day in pads today for the Panthers, so I uh, got a lot to talk about there. Quarterback competition, uh, check-in with uh, Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold, and uh, we'll look at that. Plus, are we overlooking Matt Corral? Because it seems like Matt Corral's been having a couple of uh, shining moments also. We'll get to Skyler about that as well. Uh, we'll hear some audio from head coach Matt Rule, who talks about that quarterback competition uh, and the defense and how they're coming along. Uh, we'll get into J.C. Horn. As you know, he was on the pup list last week. He got uh, taken off of it today. We'll get an uh, update on his status and how he's doing. And, of course, the biggest news in the NFL this week, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson finally receiving his uh, penalty uh, from a independent, I guess you could say, uh, arbitrator, judge, or whatnot. What, the new thing the NFL is doing where it's not Roger Goodell is like the Emperor Pal- Palpatine, you know, just deciding who gets whatever punishments. Uh, we'll talk about that as well so a loaded loaded uh panthers podcast here for you shout out to the believe podcast network doing big things on sirius xm satellite radio you can listen to this every single week now on the sirius xm uh app uh just search believe in carolina panthers uh as it's spelled right there above b-l-e-a-v in carolina panthers before we get into everything though we do need to get in a word from our sponsors at bet online they are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures head over to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I've got a couple of gambling friends I probably should pass that information along to. Um, Skyler, what's up, man? You've been uh, going back and forth up the highway. Um, uh, you've been doing this every day since camp started? Every single day. The only day I didn't make it was uh, the, the back-together Saturday. I 
had to go look at some houses and stuff. So, uh, hey, that, that's, that's a good family thing. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, it was good to have a couple of day break because I needed it. I think after it's really not that bad of a drive, it's just like day three, day four it gets a little monotonous. So to have a little break was nice, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's not too bad of a drive. Well, it, it could be worse. I, I did see the, the Cowboys were somewhere in like California, so yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they do. Uh, I've, I've never understood. I think it's Irvin, California. The Cowboys, yeah. they do their training camp in California for some reason when they have an entire. Did you see the the hard knocks on the Cowboys this past year? No, uh-uh. Oh, my God. There's one episode at the very beginning where uh, it's talking about Jerry World or whatever. It's really not even Jerry. It's like uh, their training camp facility that they built. It's like a miniature city. Like it has like stores and like <laughs> there's like a uh, like a 10,000 10, seat arena for them to practice in. High schools in the area use it for football games. Uh, it's got like all this like a mall and restaurants and stuff. And it's just the players, the players and the coaches and the staff. They're the only ones that are living in this little. It's like a 20 block type thing that Jerry Jones built. And it's like right there at the stadium or whatever. So I'm kind of surprised they're even going to California because they built all this to do this with, but Hey, it's the Cowboys. I just saw they're, they're listed as the most valuable sports franchise in the world, uh, like $7.6 billion or something right now. So I mean, you got that kind of money. I guess you can do whatever the hell. <laughs> do whatever he wants to do. Like, <laughs> come on, we'll go to California. I'm Jerry Jones. We can do what we want. Um, first day in pads today. Uh, let's talk about that. Cause this is the day uh, up here in North Carolina in the triad where I am, this is the first day of high school football practice where the kids could put on pads. It's kind of one of those days. It's like, you've been waiting on it all summer. I'm sure the Panther players have been looking forward to this. Give me the vibe today uh, at camp with the, the first full day of pads and actually hearing, you know, that pop from, uh, from pads today for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know for all the players, but just for me, it was fun just to hear the, the, the pads thumping a little bit and popping. Cause you know, after a couple of days of watching seven on sevens and, and two hand touch, it kind of gets a little old. So to, yeah. just to actually see real football, um, that was that was really cool. Again, because I mean, even going back to you know some of the off season programs, I mean, that wasn't really full contact either. So um, just to be able to see that was pretty cool. Now, energy wise, I thought it was really good. You know, I, th- I think really even during the the, the pre pad period, I thought that the energy was very good, but. Uh, today you could tell it was kicked up a notch or two just because of the, the excitement that these guys have to, to be able to go out there and get more physical and, and tackle and hit and stuff. So, um, you know, it's still hard to really gauge, you know, where certain guys are at in, in you know, the quarterback competition. You know, I think it's still, it's going to take a long, a lot of time to really understand where everybody is, is at in that. But, um you know, I, th- I think, you know, too, it, it kind of sucked that today was the first day of pads and it was kind of crappy weather. So didn't really have much of a – that really didn't help out the, the evaluation either. Which uh, makes me think of the abandoned training camp <laughs> headquarters uh, <laughs> down in Rock Hill where that wouldn't have been a problem. They could have just, you know, went inside and did it yeah. there. Um, <laughs> quarterback competition, of course, we knew when Baker Mayfield showed up from Cleveland – that this, regardless if if they were best buddies or mortal enemies, the media was going to turn us into some sort of quarterback competition of sorts. As much as they've tried, as they've tried, uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold genuinely seem like they're kind of in this together. Now, of course, that could all be window dressing because we're only you know a week or so into this experiment. But uh, have you caught any vibes between them that uh, you know 
This is more than just two guys compete. I mean, these guys came out of the same draft class, 2018, number one and number three overall. I would have to think that there's some sort of competition that's going to rear its head between the two. And I'm looking at Baker Mayfield. I'm looking at him like they brought you in here to disrupt the the status quo. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting on that one day where Baker says something or does something that's like Baker-esque. Uh, has anything like that happened in the past week or so? I know he's been throwing a couple of darts out to the crowd and everything. Yeah, I mean, nothing really. I mean, he hasn't really said anything that would, you know, maybe make things interesting, I guess, as, as you would maybe think. But, um, and, you know, I think really right now it's it's just so early in the process that, you know, it's really hard to gauge, like I said, w- which one's ahead. I really don't think either one's ahead right now. I think they've, they've really been fairly even for the most part. I think day one was clearly Sam's. Uh, day two was – Probably even, I would say, day three was Baker. Uh, practice four, I would say – actually, practice four, I wasn't there for. Today, I think, was Baker for sure. Um, Sam had a fumble on the exchange. He also had a bad pitch out to Deontay Foreman um, that Brian Burns kind of affected a little bit. So, he, he just didn't take really good care of the football today. But uh, for the most part, outside of that, outside of those two plays, I think both of them have done a very good job of – Securing the football, not really forcing anything, taking what the defense has given them. So that's that's a step forward, right? I mean, obviously it's not very fun to sit there and watch checkdowns after checkdowns, but you'd rather have a checkdown than forcing something over the field, over the middle of the field, and it being picked off. So you know, that's and that's yeah, that's, that's true because as you said that at first, I was like, no, I don't want all those checkdowns. But then I started immediately thinking back to next year or last year where. Oh. Darnold should have been checking down and was holding the ball like for five, six, seven seconds, waiting on something to happen on a two route play (laughs) and then the sack or throw an interception or or something bad was going to happen when he held it. Um, From what I've seen and what I've read, uh, your your assessment seems pretty spot on. No one, it's hard to separate when you're not in pads, when you're not really getting after it. And, and head coach Matt Rule really, uh, talked about that today. Got some audio from him. He spoke after practice today. Here's uh, head coach Matt Rule talking about the Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield situation and how they're going to handle reps going forward. This audio is courtesy of Panthers.com. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, well, I know our, our evaluation will be, it'll be all in, in totality over a period of time. So at any one day. So today, uh, Sam took the ones, Baker took the twos. There's, there's two parts of that. Sometimes you're playing with players that are a little more experienced when you're with the ones. You're also playing against um, players are a little more experienced. So I think you take that all into account, but we're not, we're not looking at any one day for this. It's really, it's really over time. And each guy on this team has a different thing they're working on. Both quarterbacks have things that they're working on at different times. So take each day and look at it, try to give some improvement and see the improvement come. I think both guys are doing a job, good, good job with that. From Facebook, J rock 12, 14 asks, wouldn't Baker have a heads up if they had been even so far, uh, considering his late entry into the play. Wait, hold on. I have a heads up if they have been even so far, considering his late entry into the playbook. I, I think he's asking, does it look as if Baker's uh, slightly ahead, considering he came in late behind Sam Darnold, yet it feels like it's almost even at this point? Um, I wouldn't say that just because there's – I mean, if you're there, you would understand, like, there's – there's moments where Baker is is clicking, and then there's some where he's he's got some very questionable throws. Um, 
So, I mean, I think they're like, they are very even right now. I mean, yes, you could maybe say that just because even though he's behind in the playbook and he's playing up the par, I guess, in terms of Sam, um, you can maybe say that, but I, I, I don't think that I would have him ahead of Sam right now. I think if anything, I would still give Sam this much of a, a little bit of a lead just because of the knowledge that he has in the offense, not, not because of performance or anything. And he hasn't really squandered that, that opportunity. So, I mean, I will say this, me and you, Desmond, we have talked about this probably multiple times since the trade went down. Neither one of us bought into this. It's actually going to be an open competition. No, hell no. (laughs) We never bought into it. I would say until maybe day two or day three of practice, I started to, to really think it over. I'm like, you know what? I think this actually is going to be an open competition. Because I don't see how either one of these guys is going to have the job by by the first preseason game. I don't see it happening by the second preseason game. So to me, if you're going into game three of the preseason, you still don't have an idea. I mean, that's pretty much the entire month of August. So, I, I mean, one would think Baker's going to win this job. But as long as Sam doesn't have – bad day after bad day after bad day, which he hasn't yet, still early, then he's going to have a chance to win that job. I feel like they they wouldn't mind if a quarterback competition broke out, but I almost feel like just the fact that Baker Mayfield's here, that they felt like even if that happened, that Darnold would not win it, Like if that makes any sense. like Not necessarily that they brought him in expecting a quarterback competition. If anything, I think they, they knew this first couple of weeks Baker's got to learn the playbook. Depends on how fast he learns it. I think I saw rules that he's in phase four of the installation, whatever that means. It sounds pretty deep into the book. Um, but I, I, I'm trying to figure out uh, what their mentality is with this, because if you bring Baker in like this and you go through so much to get him, that's one thing. But on the other hand, they did draft Matt Corral third round and traded up to get him. And I'm hearing, you know, rumblings that Corral's not looking that bad on some things. Uh, I saw a drill where the three of them were doing it, where they have to kind of high step and then run around in a curl or whatever. Uh, and then they take a quick snap and they throw it towards a uh, like a basket or something, like 30 yards down the field. Corral nails it. Darnold actually nailed it too. Baker missed it to the left. Now, this is this is just one drill. I'm not saying Baker doesn't deserve to be an NFL player because he didn't <laughs> he didn't hit the basket on a in a, in a July 30th uh practice or whatever but i was focused more on corral and from what i'm saying he's the first one out there on the field uh he's he doesn't seem like he's in over his head at all uh what are the odds that a russell wilson type of situation happens where this kid comes out of nowhere ends up starting anyway like the only only time i can even think of it happening was russell wilson but it was the same situation seattle had an incumbent quarterback they traded for uh the kid uh from green bay uh, I can't remember his name oh, now. Flint. Yeah, Matt Flynn. They yeah, traded for him. There was going to be a quarterback competition, but the two guys that were there, they weren't exactly like, ah, you, you know, super excited about it. They draft Russell Wilson. Wilson impresses them enough in the preseason where he wins the starting position, and, you know, the rest is history. Is that even possible with Matt Corral and the way they're doing this? Because, it feel, I mean, talent rises to the top. If If he's good enough to play and he's showing out better than the other two, has Matt Rule learned his lesson from the past couple of years in terms of adapting to whatever his original plan was? Is there any shot we see Matt Corral this year other than injury? 
Mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to rule it out completely because anything can happen. I mean, he could absolutely light it up in preseason and maybe that only leads – leads to increased reps in between preseason games two and three, and then all of a sudden the ball starts rolling from there. But I, I just don't think so. I mean, he's got he, he's got the talent. Like, when you see the quick release, it is as quick as, as they have talked about. Like, it is legit. Um, he got great footwork for, you know, being as young as he is. Has a really good understanding of what to do with the football. It's just – it's going to take time. And I don't think there's any need to rush him at all. And when you have two veteran quarterbacks on your roster, take advantage of that. Like there's this team. I mean, if Matt Corral goes out there and injures your starter week one, you're not in position to win games with him as your starting quarterback. You might be with Baker and maybe with Sam, but not with Matt Corral. When you have an opportunity to sit him and let him learn, and use this kind of as a redshirt year, which I know Scott Fitter and Matt Rule said that's not necessarily the case, but it's it's going to be. Right. Um, then why not do it? How many times have we seen a quarterback sit for a year, maybe even two years, and become really, really good? We saw Patrick Mahomes, everyone forgets about, he did not start right away. He was yeah. sitting by Alex Smith. Yep. And Alex Smith led them to the playoffs. I think a 12 and yeah. four record too that year. So he kind of stepped into Mahomes. He stepped into a good team, a good roster and everything. So that's a huge difference. And, and what did I tell you a couple of weeks ago? That's all the Panthers need from Baker Mayfield. Be Alex Smith, be Ryan Tannehill. Just yep. don't need to be elite. Just be decent enough to win football games. I, I, I don't mind a little sprinkling of, of uh feisty on top of that. Like that's yeah, what attracted me to Baker in the first. Like, I, just not a lot. I don't need a whole lot. Like I don't need it. Like, overwhelming just a little bit on top of it that makes dudes want to play with you and i think baker's kind of figuring out that that balance right now it feels like he's kind of figuring out this this media because that was the thing i was worried about the most was him coming into this charlotte media and basically acting as if it's the cleveland media which is going to be a a completely different beast so it feels like he's kind of feeling his way like who he can joke with who he can't what he can joke about what he can kind of throw darts at he's done very well to not really throw a lot of shade towards his previous employer with the Browns and everything else and how that all went down. We're going to talk about the Browns uh, here towards the end of the show. Um, But so far I've been pretty impressed with him. Uh, I've been really impressed with Sam Darnold and the way he's handled all this. Uh, Having said that, that's not enough for me to be like, he deserves a shot to start. Like, you know what I mean? Like just because he's being cordial to the the new guy taking his job, doesn't mean that he deserves to keep the job. (laughs) For Matt, for Matt Corral, I think too, everyone's got to understand like as good as he's looking in practice, he's still getting very limited reps. He's still with the threes and the fours at times. He's still splitting reps with P.J. Walker. If he's still splitting reps with P.J. Walker in the next week, that should tell you he's not going to be in the the mix for the starting quarterback job. I mean, that's just is what it is. P.J. Walker may not even be here next week or two weeks from now. So I I think for, for him to really cement himself in this race, He's going to have to get increased opportunities, and I just don't see a situation where that happens because you know between Baker and Sam, those two guys, even though Sam hasn't had the success, he's more ready for this right now for this starting job than than Matt Corral is. You have two guys that have started many, many games in the NFL. Let those two battle it out. you you got to figure out who that starting quarterback is going to be. And I mean, again, unless something crazy happens – 
I, I don't see why it's worth throwing Matt Corral out there before you know he's ready. There's a difference between knowing when a guy is ready and thinking when a guy is ready. And just because he looks good doesn't mean I think he might be okay and think he may be ready for this. No, you better be damn sure because sometimes, especially with that quarterback position, guys are sensitive. Like if they get thrown out there and they don't have that early success, sometimes that ruins a guy. And I don't think you want to do that with Matt Corral. That's a, that was actually the thought I was having with him. If he's truly the future, and you've kind of the Panthers have set themselves up so that he could potentially be the future because hell, next year, Garland no, might not even be here. Yeah, they might even be here. They're both basically on one year deals with the Panthers. It clears that money out completely, and the Panthers are free to kind of figure out what they want to do going forward there. Now, say Baker or Sam have, have a great year, then you know, hey, let's give you a two year extension or something like that to that effect. I hope what they don't do is Baker comes out, wows everyone in Charlotte. They gift him like a five-year, $150 million <laughs> deal, 140 guaranteed, like some nonsense like that. And then Baker just slowly starts well, to decline. I mean, that's, that's the biggest problem. I mean, right? if you look about well, – I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I think if you look at like an average starting quarterback in the NFL, they're probably making still north of $25 million a year. Oh, yeah. they got Actually, you know what? Let me check that because uh, – that's got to be by now with some of these deals. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to be making what, like forty-five million? Yes, yeah, so that's up there. the biggest question. Like, do you want to pay an average quarterback twenty-five to maybe thirty million dollars a year, or or go with Corral and live on that rookie contract for another three to four years? I mean, that's. I mean, he's going to have a, a an option, I believe, too. So, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, I mean. I don't it's, know. It's real top heavy when you talk about the highest paid quarterbacks for 2022. I think Garoppolo is getting 29, isn't he? Uh, 29 I, or 30. I think so. Actually, I pulled up the list here. Aaron Rodgers is the highest paid player uh, in the NFL next year. $50.272 million to play uh, 17 NFL games and then lose to the 49ers in the uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Kyler Murray, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but we might as well do it because this happened last week. Kyler Murray – Secured an insanely large bag, five-year contract extension, $230 million with $160 million in guarantees. It makes him the second highest paid player in the NFL next year at $46.1 million. <laughs> what has Kyler Murray done to deserve this money? Like, has he has he even won a playoff game? I don't think he has. I don't know. I don't think he has either. Um, we, we've beaten Arizona the past two years he's been there. And I mean, we're, we're Carolina. <laughs> like, we've been a mess. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, where's this money coming from? I mean, I get it to a certain extent because, I mean, he's definitely talented. Like, there's no question about that. He's got the tools. It's just the – he hasn't shown much for it. But I, I guess you could say the same thing about Dak, Dak Prescott, too. Like, he I mean, hasn't done anything either. Before so, he got hurt, he was on a tear where – I remember that awesome. year – he. We said that, that might be the year the Cowboys actually break through. And yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> but before he before the injury to his ankle, to Dak's credit, he was on some crazy torrid pace. Uh, like the first four games of that year, I do remember he was throwing for like like four hundred and thirty yards a game or some nutty weird stat. Like he and he was completing like close to eighty percent of his passes. So like at the time. It was like, whoa, where did this come from? He gets hurt, and this is the rest of that year. He comes back, and then last year with the Cowboys, I, I picked the Cowboys pretty much every year to make it to the Super Bowl because I feel like they're the most talented team in the NFC. 
and they always do me wrong. And I haven't made my Super Bowl predictions yet. Believe asked for both of us actually to make video predictions. And uh, I haven't responded to them yet because I don't know if either one of us are ready. <laughs> so, like, uh, maybe by the end of the week or by next podcast, maybe we'll throw one over well, to you. He, he, here's just an example. Jared Goff, $33 million. I mean, I, what's Jared? I mean, and, everyone everyone hates on Jared Goff, and I've backed him up and said he's not that bad of a quarterback like everyone else makes him out to be. But $33 million for Jared Goff is a little steep. I and mean, that's, the, that's the 11th highest. Uh, quarterback in the league. Carson Wentz is right behind him at 32 million. What has Carson Wentz done? You know, and his yeah, career. Man, just think if if Baker goes out there and goes, even if they go nine and eight, and he throws, you know, I, I don't even know. Let's say a touchdown to pick ratio, and he finishes with what, say 30, yeah. 31 and 13. Yeah, there you go. I mean, they're. <laughs> That's going to be hard to turn down to say, like, I mean, that's that's impressive considering what they've had. I mean, if you put the other quarterbacks that are kind of doing that same type of work, like you said, Jimmy G uh, a couple minutes ago, he's set to make twenty seven point five million dollars next year. And he doesn't have a team. The 49ers are trying to trade him or, or do something with him and give it to Trey Lance, who hasn't played a really a he really hadn't played a football game in what going on two years because he sat out the covid year. Uh, in college and had only played a year before that, if I'm not mistaken, and then sat behind Garoppolo last year. So, uh, man, the quarterback market is wacky. (laughs) It's totally wacky. So the Panthers might be able to put themselves in a situation where when the season's over, they can either clear the board, they got Corral sitting there, and then, hey, depending on what happened this year, you got quarterbacks that'll be coming in and you can really have a legit competition. Or, best case scenario, one of these quarterbacks that they have balls out and they're in a situation where they have to decide, do we want to extend him and for how much? And what do we do with Corral and everything? That's the best case scenario they could possibly have. Yeah. I mean, if they handle the situation the right way, Corral doesn't see the field this year, even even if it gets to a point where they get eliminated. Now, if they're like three and you know, 12 or something towards the end of the year, then yeah, that's a different story. But I'm saying if they're – in it all the way up until like maybe the last three or four weeks, and then they get eliminated. Still, let those guys, whoever that starting quarterback is, whether it be Sam or Baker, let them keep going. Let them play, yeah. And let them play because that might give them an opportunity to to carry some momentum into the 2023 season if they were to were come back. So, if they handle it right, they're in a good situation, much better situation than they were a year ago when all they had was Sam, PJ, and Will Greer. So. They've got options. It's just about how they go about using those options. I've, I've said that PJ Walker must have some kind of dirt on Matt Rule. That's the only reason <laughs> I can think of that he's even still on this roster. Like, I, I, I mean, I know they can keep ninety. I, I, I get all that, and they're going to probably hold on to PJ as long as they can. But somebody, we'll- somebody down at training camp said, I, "I won't say who." <laughs> but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if PJ ends up on IR this year. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said that to me too. Something about oh well, they're going to try to figure out a way to sneak him onto the practice squad or, or something so they can hold on to him. Or no, he'll get hurt like week one of the preseason. They'll throw him on IR. He'll be there like until one of the other quarterbacks gets hurt, and then I'll, magically he'll be there. Didn't you say that like he's like a fifty percent completion passer or something? The two games he did play and win like. He, his regular season stats, I know it's hovering around there. Now, preseason last year, this is what blows my mind. And, again, this isn't just because I covered Will Greer in the past either, and I'm not biased to that. I, Will Greer 
completed, I believe, 70% of his passes in the preseason last year. Do you know what P.J. Walker's was? 48%. Why is he on his team? <laughs> Why is he here? Threes and fours. And maybe, hell, even fives. P.J. Walker still has a job. I don't care. I mean, I, I can just picture, like, down at Wofford, like, they're in the cafeteria. P.J.'s walking by with a tray or something. A couple offensive linemen just keep – What's that dude still doing here? Like, why is he here? Like, who, who is he practicing against? <laughs> 48% against two, threes, fours, and fives. Like, I mean, that that, that just blows my mind. And, like, I, <laughs> conversation, again, some 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 unknown folks down there that I, I talked to, um, <laughs> it's like you see P.J. Walker come in the game. In the first play against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Remember when Sam got knocked the heck out? And yes. <laughs> what did P.J. Walker almost do? Throw an interception in the end zone. Yep. Like, it's just – it's a disaster waiting to happen. That and- that part of that season is so foggy to me now that I've kind of – I've pushed it into the back of my memory because it – we talked about this. It got to the point where it felt like a chore watching Panther oh, games the last, like, month or so. We didn't know – what they were doing, it didn't look like they knew what they were doing. The quarterback situation was a mess. They they brought in Cam Newton and decided they weren't going to play him. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was fun for a week. It was all good just a week ago, and then the, the whole Cam Newton thing that two that that eight day stretch where they went to Arizona. Cam played, started. They won that game. Speaking of Kyler Murray, somehow uh, uh, Cam Newton's led squad. He's been sitting on the couch for like eight months. Comes into Arizona and beats uh, Kyler Murray playing that day. Yeah, he was playing that day. He no, was, no, they they had uh, Colt McCoy, I believe. That's right. He was hurt, and uh, they, they didn't have Hopkins. They were missing some guys, so uh, so we'll give him a pass there. But you got yeah that, and then the following week, coming back home to Charlotte, camera out of the tunnel, the smoke, and all that stuff. And from that moment on, it just went yep. and never came back. So we're hopeful that we're going to get around that. J Rock, what another question? That, that's the huge question referring to Baker and uh, Darnold. That and if Rule is really on a hot seat. We've been on record here really for about no. half a year saying that Rule's not on any kind of hot seat. Like that's a that's a national media narrative that they feel like he should be on a hot seat because he's only won five games the past two years. We here that actually cover the Panthers on a weekly basis. Understand he got signed to a seven-year deal for $62 million. David Tepper is the richest owner in the league. He didn't get that way by being impatient. He's never really shown impatience, to be honest. Like, the entire time he's owned the Panthers, I can't think of anything that he did or has done that was just like a spur-of-the-moment type thing. Maybe Cam Newton, but even that was they didn't have a quarterback, you know, and Cam was only one of a few that were still sitting out there in October, and he had a relationship with the team. That didn't seem too nuts at the time. You sell some tickets, salvage something out of the season. It's not like a business deal. I we haven't seen anything, uh, J Rock, to suggest that Matt Rule is on a hot seat. And honestly, if you if you look at Rule's demeanor in these press conferences uh, since they've been back, he looks super comfortable. He looks like he's not worried about his job at all. He looks like he's more worried about getting these people, these players, ready to play and actually show what he does in year three. It's year three Rule, right? This is when his stuff starts to shine. All the stuff that you were confused about. They start rattling off wins. Yeah, it's not going to be losing three, four in a row anymore. They're going to start pulling these games out according to the narrative. I I just think – is he on the hot seat now? No. But I think that it's a a unique position because it's not going to take much for him to coach his way onto the hot seat. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, if you you look at that stretch of the early portion of the season, again, I I don't have it. I can't see it. I have it on my fridge 
far away from me, but there's that one little part after I think week four where they play some really tough teams. If they go through that stretch and absolutely struggle, but I'll say this, if they go through that earlier stretch and they go one and two in the first three and then they struggle even after that, I mean, I don't know if he makes it through October, but I don't see that happening. I think they'll still find a way to win a few games. It's just, yeah, he's got to win more than five games. If he wins five games again, I don't think there's any way in, in heck that he can stay as the Panthers coach. And I, I, even though I've been backing him up and saying that he should deserve his third year, there's no way I would say give him a fourth year if it's five or six wins again. We might have to invite J-Rock on as a guest in a week or two. He's coming with some heat here. Says that Tepper shut down the training facility, fired the soccer coach first year, shut down the soccer facility. That's sporadic. Yeah, but we're talking about the Panthers. So uh, we, we can just brush that off. That's just – the soccer thing seems like a habit, like a hobby to him. Like, I don't know much about Charlotte FC. I don't know much about soccer. Yeah. But from everybody I've talked to that is entrenched into that stuff, that that actually has been a good move for yeah. them. But I, I don't know anything about it. But as far as the football side of it, the American football side of it, you know, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to really blame Tepper for the, the training camp or the, the training facility situation. Right. Solely because we don't know who's who's telling the truth. Is it Rock Hill? Is it Tepper? The Panthers? I think it's a little bit of both going on. But Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. But I got to say, I, I don't know what it's like to have so much money to have dumped they had already dumped $75, $80 million into this facility when they stopped. $170 million. Oh, okay. <laughs> $170 million. $170 million worth of steel in the ground. Right it's, almost, it's almost like uh, – I'm trying to think of a great example here. Uh, last week. Last week, I've been bombarded by Subway commercials, right? You know, they change the menu. Like, it's always yeah. new sandwich or whatever. I've been on record saying Subway is trash. They've been trash for a decade plus, but they got me. They got me on this commercial, and I'm like, you know what? I'm out here doing some stuff. I'm going to go on Subway, and I'm going to try one of these sandwiches out. I got the boss. It was a meatball marinara. I got the pepperoni on it, the actual mozzarella blocks on it or whatever. Man, the sandwich was the most trash sandwich I had probably had. Like It had five meatballs on it for a foot long. And I'm like, what is going on? The sauce is weird. Like <laughs> The bread tasted stale. And I kind of feel like I wasted my $10. That's how David Tepper, I have to imagine, felt walking away from the training camp thing. $170 million to him. Is like ten dollars to us, where I, I was mad about it. Like, man, I wish I'd went someplace else or got a different sandwich or something. I can't get that ten dollars back, but I'll be all right. That's how he is. <laughs> That's how he is with the training yeah, camp, man. <laughs> I could have put, yeah, I could have put that hundred seventy million on. Some, I could have bought Rock Hill, you know, or something. But <laughs> even, even though, like, even though for him, it the, the, the training or the facility thing didn't work out football wise. Like, I think it's just. A matter of time again with Matt Rule. Again, I, I don't know if he's going to be the coach of the future or not, but at some point, like he's he's going to get aggressive. I mean, we've already seen that to a certain extent with the Deshaun Watson stuff. You're hearing all this stuff about Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a point in time where David Tepper gets impatient. Does that impatience set in during this season? And that means Matt's fired mid-season, or does it happen after the season? I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I don't think there's a set number that, that Matt Rule has to win this year because at, at the end of the day, like, they win nine or ten games, but they lose the last four and they get blown out in two of them. 
I don't think that means he's safe. I mean, it's it's hard that's to read cool. what a billionaire's thinking. I, I don't know. Five that, win that, improvement. That's that's a huge deal. The, you know, to win five more games than you did the year before, even yeah, it, it sniffed the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. Like I, we've been on record here also saying that we felt like this roster was good enough to contend for a wild card spot. But a part of that is due to the fact that there's an extra wild card spot now. There's seven uh, total <laughs> instead of six. So we look at it like. Yeah, we, we maybe can do it. Uh, but Atlanta's gonna be a dumpster fire. I have any person that comes to me and says the Falcons are gonna do anything this year, I just laugh at them like in their face. Like this, no, they're I don't, no Marcus Mariota. No, no, they got Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts can't throw the ball to himself <laughs> and they can't play defense. Nothing. I keep seeing all these Saints fans and Saint and the media like, oh, watch out for the Saints. They can be really, really good. Sean Payton is not the it's not the coach anymore. He's not there. And I looked up Dennis Allen's record. He's like eight and twenty-five. As a head coach, like Jameis Winston was playing okay because Sean Payton was whispering in his ear. Dennis Dennis Allen is not going to whisper in <laughs> Jameis Winston's ear. And that just seems like a, a bad thing about to happen in New Orleans. And not to mention, they don't have Terrell Armstead anymore. He's gone. He's yeah, gone. <laughs> One of the best tackles so, in the league. Gone. He's gone. Is Michael Thomas going to stay healthy? Is, is Alvin Kamala going to be ready? To, is he going to be able to play? He's looking at a suspension. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's there's a, lot, there's a lot more question marks in New Orleans than mm-hmm. there is in Carolina, which seems like unreal to say. But I mean, it, I true. agree, I agree. And maybe the national, see the national media, they'll never come around to that. It's always going to be Saints, Falcons, and all that first before Carolina. I've said this before too. Carolina has to win seven, eight, nine out the gate before the national media goes. Oh, look at what's happening in Carolina. They're they're doing the dab. They're doing everything. Look, oh, this is the cool team. We're gonna follow them around. Like we literally had to go fourteen and zero. And even then, I still remember distinctly in 2015, national media members saying, this is the worst 14-0 and team in the history of the National Football League. And I'm like, <laughs> never mind we're number one in offense, number one in defense, had the league MVP, coach of the year, defense player. I mean, like, just forget all that. Like, none of that really matters. Um, okay, so I wanted to get over to the defensive side uh, from your observations over at training camp as well. Before we get into that, because I want to talk about J.C. Horn, who we hadn't really seen uh, yet, uh, was out there today. Uh, more audio from uh, head coach Matt Rule from uh, earlier today after practice was over regarding the defense and where he sees them so far in camp and uh, how they're doing against the run. I, I think it's still so early. Um, we're rushing the ball really well. I think Coach Snow said it to me the best. This is the week where we find out if we can stop the run. Um, you know, this is a passing league. But if you if you want great if you want you know quarterbacks to not be great passers and take away the run from them and make them one dimensional, so we want to uh, we have to see that. But I, I think our ability to rush the passer, I, I can feel on the field that we've got great get off. Um, it's really to me right now. It's kind of like, hey, can we can we strike and play our gap and two gap and all that? I've been pleased so far. I haven't seen anything that raises alarms to me. I, I think that that's a good group for us. That's a strength for us. I know uh, there was rumblings that they might go after Carlos Dunlap. He ended up signing elsewhere last week. Do you think that they might bring in another pass rusher? Do you think they're happy with the group they have? Uh, I think they'd still like to bring in somebody. Um, I just don't know who that would be. I mean, if you look at the the, the guys that are out there that are available, there's really not that many guys that are going to come in here and be an instant, you know, impact. I don't. I don't think. I mean, there may be a couple of guys. Is JPP still out there? I mean, if he is. Great, but he's he's getting older, number one. Number two, if Carlos Dunlap just got a one-year $8 million deal, what do you think JPP is going to be worth? 
So yeah, I don't know if that'd be worth thirteen million. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to throw in a, a a cheap South Carolina fireworks joke, but I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah, let's just yeah, we'll probably move on from that. <laughs> I'm not going to go. No, I will say, I, like I just I, I, they do like the guys that they have. You know, Marquis Sainz, Etor Grossmatos. This, it, it, you know, if they don't get a guy in here, this gives them a good opportunity to get a really good evaluation on where YGM is at where Marquis Haynes is at, because going into next offseason, I'm assuming that's probably going to be one of the, the, the key areas where they're going to look to improve because they fixed the offensive line, we think. You know, they may have their quarterback situation figured out. The defense is only getting better. Yeah. If Terrace Marshall takes that step at receiver, where else are you looking to, to mainly upgrade? I think it's got to be pass rusher. So unless Gross Matos just balls out this year, I mean, you again. You got to give them the opportunity to do that, and if you don't, then you won't know. So, I feel like such a homer. Like maybe it's because it's August, but like I'm just sitting here looking at the roster and everything that's happening. And I just it feels like 2003. It really does. Like because 2003 kind of was the same thing. 2001, they bottomed out one and 15. They won their first game, lost every single game after that. 2002, uh, it was the second year of John Fox. And one of his first draft classes. So you got, you know, Steve Smith's in there. Jordan Gross is in there as a rookie. You start Travell Wharton. You're starting to see some pickups from the draft. And by 2003, really at that point, the main thing they needed was some sort of quarterback. Like their quarterback position was in flux because they had drafted Jimmy Clausen, uh, Chris Winkie. Like they had all these drifters basically coming in and out. And even then it was Rodney Pete starting that first game with, uh, unknown Jake Delhomme on the bench as the second string guy, so it didn't look good going into the season. We didn't know what to expect. But by the end of that first game, Jake comes in at halftime, leads them to a, a, a late rally score. They become the Cardiac Cats and they go on this run. And looking back on it, that team makeup roster wise is pretty close to what you're looking at here with this Panther team. I'm not saying they're going to do the exact same thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did because of the way the team is made up. They're heavy on defense. Uh, they're going to be a heavy run team, I believe. You've got you've got a pretty good wide receiver one in DJ Moore, who to me is a top ten talent. And I got to give kudos to the front office to, for signing him when they did. Before this explosion of top ten wide receivers got signed, there was like one dude. I think it was DeAndre Hopkins that was making over twenty four million before the offseason at wide receiver. And now there's like eight, <laughs> and like DJ Moore probably should be one of them, but he's he not in that top ten. <laughs> yeah, he's probably sick to his stomach, too. Like, looking at his agent, like, why didn't we wait, like, a month before we did this? Like, this is nuts. Tyreek Hill's getting $30 million. So, yeah. um, before we get out of here, though, for today, of course, we need to touch on the Deshaun Watson situation uh, earlier today. Uh, Deshaun Watson suspended six games uh, for the NFL season. Uh, this affects us because the Panthers play the Browns week one here in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium, and we were under the impression that we were going to see Jacoby Brissett no matter what. However, there is a scenario where Watson could be under the center uh, week one if he appeals the ruling. Um, now, I don't know the timing or how this works. The NFL, I think they they have three days to appeal her ruling. Um, yeah. I think the Players Association already said they were not going to appeal it. I don't know if that includes Deshaun. I know his camp is angry that he even got the six games because they feel like he didn't do anything, which – uh, really, to be honest, that's the that should be the defense they're on. They shouldn't be happy he got six games when they've been saying this whole time he didn't do anything. That that kind of goes along with where they should be. But 
I don't know. Is there do you do you think that really honestly the Browns got out of this looking spectacular unless he looks like he sucks? And that's the thing I wanted to touch on because <laughs> he hasn't played a game in two years. Like we've got him listed as a top five quarterback. Who are the top five quarterbacks two years ago? Are they still the same top five quarterbacks today? Because I'm very curious how he's gonna look. New team, new city, hasn't played since did he play in the 2020 playoffs or was it 2019? He didn't uh, play the COVID year, did he? 19, because they didn't make the playoffs, I don't believe, 2020. Yeah, so uh, – Yeah, they, they were 4-12 in 2020. I think he did play in 2020, though, didn't he? Yeah, he played all 16 games. So, 2020 was – December of 2020 is the last time he played football on a professional setting. He didn't play all of last year at all. Um nope. What do you, I mean, what do you expect from him? He's what, 27, 28, I think, at this point? He is 27. So, I mean, technically, he should be entering his prime. 26. 26. Oh, wow, 26. So, technically, he should be entering his prime. But uh, I don't know, man. I just feel like the story never writes itself the way people want it to. Do you expect him to come back where he was in Houston? Uh, Way more weapons in Cleveland. I don't don't think he's going to be what he was when we last saw him in Houston, but is he going to be an upgrade over Baker? And I think that's the biggest thing that Browns fans and the Browns front office would hope, right? Because I mean, that's the whole reason why he's there. And that's the whole reason why Baker's here in Carolina. Yeah. So I think that's the only thing that they're really worried about, but I mean, I just don't get it. I, I, I mean, doesn't how the heck can a guy get suspended for an entire year for betting on games? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start right there. <laughs> Let's start right there. Six games, like I just, I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't know all the facts. I don't, so I can't sit here and say he should be suspended the entire year. I've been of the thought that he should be at least that he should have an indefinite suspension until they have all the facts, they have all the details, all the info, and that that way they can make the best decision. Because if it's an indefinite suspension and say it comes out he's innocent, then guess what? He doesn't have to wait to the end of the six games. Or if he's guilty and he's playing in week 10 and he, they find out that he's guilty, then you yes. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think I, it had to be an indefinite suspension, but that's, that's – I was just- I was there this morning, and then the more I watched like First Take and Sports Center, some other places where uh, some pundits were talking about how this went down, Sarah Spain actually was the one – uh, was saying she was kind of explaining like some stuff. Now, of course, she was on the side of they should have given him more games, but uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, six is crazy. <laughs> six is nuts considering Calvin Ridley's like, come on, man, like a fifteen hundred dollar bet. I wouldn't even bet on my own team, and like I'm, I'm suspended the whole year, and this dude has got like like twenty something women accusing him of bad things, and I get it. There's no criminal charges. I get it, uh, but there's. There's something, just something. It's a bad image. It's a bad image yeah, it's just bad. Stuff. It's bad. It makes the NFL look like they don't care about women. Like that, women are secondary. That if it's a if it's some kind of bad thing that has to do with women, the NFL is going to circumvent and figure out a way to get around it to get their star back on the field. Uh, we saw this. Actually, we would have seen this with Ray Rice if there wasn't video. If there had not been video, oh. we probably have seen the same thing, you know. And that's the sick thing about it. But having said that. This independent council or whatever that they set up, they did this because 
there was a lot of griping about how Roger Goodell seemed to have like complete absolute power to make punishments for these players and the players union didn't like it. So the players union and the owners came up with this solution where it'd be an independent party that would rule on these things and not Roger Goodell. So now it makes it where if you're the NFL, technically, I mean, you can appeal it, but for optics, why would you? Because you created this third panel to to take you out of the equation to make the decision. So if you appeal it, you're basically saying, no, nah, just give it back to us. We'll just punish them ourselves. Like it, 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 it squashes the importance of having the independent council. If the players union saying they don't want to dispute it, that's mainly because I think they just want it to be over, you know, like, let's just get it done. Uh, you're going to serve some time. Six, six games. Great. Let's get that done. Get it out of here. And I mean, you're only getting paid a million from the Browns this year anyway. Like they knew you were going to spend something. So let's just do it. And then the Watson camp is just trying to save face, I think, uh, with their stance on it. So she said uh, uh, the lady that was the independent counselor. She said that it was based off a of pre- president from previous cases is how she got to six. Cause I think the league was asking for a year and she found the middle ground, I guess, and gave him six games. But in the end, this dude could have been, you know, starting for the Carolina Panthers week seven. Like if all this had gone down, you know, like I don't know how that would have played out here. Um, <laughs> just, just looking back on it, like, could you imagine the, this, the reaction from the fan base, for this team reaching and actually successfully acquiring Deshaun Watson, giving him all that guaranteed money plus all the draft compensation that would have had to go to Houston, and then for him to maybe not even play till week seven and then maybe not even at all in 2022. And maybe not even be good. And maybe not be good. (laughs) Starting a quarterback for you. Or this situation with Baker Mayfield, all you gave up was – a bag of chips and you've got a quarterback competition. At least you have something and you didn't have to give up, you know, an arm and a leg and or, or a King's ransom for it to happen. I think it's, it's the better situation for the Panthers and even more so now because you're going to be playing the Browns in week one and they're not going to have Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield. I got it. I've, I've got it. Believe I've got my Super Bowl matchup. It's <laughs> going to be the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson taking on Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. That's it. That's it. It writes itself. Rematch of week one. But with story, both. Yeah, but with both quarterbacks, storylines all over the place. Cleveland finally making a Super Bowl. Carolina trying to finally win one. You got Baker Mayfield on one side, Deshaun Watson with the biggest contract in NFL on the other. It writes itself. Browns, Panthers, Super Bowl. That's what I'm sending into them. If it wow. will, if I, if I tape it today, if I wake up tomorrow and I think about what I said, then I'm <laughs> like, nah, I don't know if that'll work. But would the NFL be interested? Is that something the NFL would be interested in? Browns, Panthers, Super Bowl. Because you know the NFL loves storylines. They, they, I mean, they, they definitely do. I, I just see this weird thing happening where, like, Jimmy G still with the 49ers halfway <laughs> through the season, and then all of a sudden – Baker and Sam start stinking it up. Panthers oh, make no. a great headline move for Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, uh, somehow PJ is still on the team as a quarterback. Yeah. They move him to safety or something so they can keep him on the roster. But he's like their emergency QB. <laughs> if Donald and Mayfield are that bad, maybe PJ's starting for those those first two weeks of Jimmy G's in Carolina because he's got the best. <laughs> he is two and zero. Hey, PJ love They'll say, hey, PJ Walker's two and zero in a Panther uniform, baby. You got to give him some reps. Got to give him some reps. <laughs> he does have the highest winning percentage in that room. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we'll end it on that note. Uh, shout out to PJ Walker. 
We got we get him on as a guest or well, yeah. We, I mean, we can ride on him, but I mean, he is a really good dude. I yeah, mean, he I, really, is, really. Is. I just I look at the situation. I'm just like, I don't understand how he's still on this roster. But yeah. they got to have cuts coming soon. So we'll if he beats out Matt Corral, which would just seem nuts. But we've seen crazier yeah. things happen. Like if Matt Corral gets cut for PJ Walker, so he can be the third quarterback. I. <laughs> Got to tell believe. Look, man, you got to find some other people to do the hosting for this because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've gone through the ringer. It's been too much for us. We can't deal with it. I don't know what's happening. So, um, we you can find this podcast on a variety of different platforms. Uh, you can find it on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, that's every major podcast format there is: Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor. Uh, you can find it on YouTube if you just uh, if you search Believe in Carolina Panthers, you can find the video format of it. Uh, we've got huge, huge news regarding the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I believe next week we'll be able to reveal it, but uh, it is a game changer for the uh, for the podcast for me and Skyler. Uh, someone will be joining us going forward that we both look up to uh, very much. So uh, I think it's going to be a huge treat for Carolina Panther fans going forward. I can see right now. I know J Rock's probably like, "Well, who, who, who they got coming in here? You're going to be happy. You're going to be very, very happy." <laughs> yeah, it ain't, it ain't Jimmy Pickles. Jimmy Pickles ain't coming. It's somebody else. We got somebody else. He played with him. So there's a little drop right there. He played with him. But uh, yeah, you'll find out. I believe he football with him, though. So there you go, right there. Follow us on Twitter. Skyler's down uh, at training camp uh, pretty much every day. Uh, this week, follow him on Twitter for the latest at Callahan underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Tobacco Radio or at DEZ underscore 3505. For Skylar Callahan uh, from Sports Illustrated, I'm Desmond Johnson. This has been the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.